0: is working the beat it is wednesday february 17th 2021 i'm kevin cooney thanks for joining us
1: Give me what you can
0: well i'll try as we get you set for another week it's a uh it's a one show week uh obviously everything that's going on or lack of thereof of things going on we can always jump in if let's say carson wentz gets traded or something but uh for right now because of how slow things are flyers just getting back tomorrow night after their covet layoff uh before they go to lake tahoe over the weekend sixers back from the west coast we'll play the rockets tonight uh on wednesday and obviously you know baseball just getting started today with uh with the first day of pitchers and catchers reporting um some interesting moves, and we'll talk. Mike and I will talk about that a little later. But uh, our show this week is going to focus on college basketball. We're at that time of the year where I think people start getting geared in to the NCAAs because the tournament is about a month away. The Villanova, obviously, number 10 in the country. They're a lead pipe block to be probably a top four seed unless they fall apart here. And they've had a couple of bad losses. St. John's and Creighton were bad losses. So uh and their schedule's been kind of choppy and everything. And we'll so we'll talk to Mike Jensen, our buddy from the Inquirer, who did a great job on everything John Cheney related um you know in the last couple of weeks and has done some really good reporting on you know St. Joe's the St. Joe's University of the Sciences merger. We'll talk about Nova. We'll talk about what the tournament will look like. We'll talk about the other four teams and remember Penn's not playing this year. And where they stand, and, and to be honest, where they stand is not good right now. Um, you know, Temple got shellacked last night at Tulsa, and um, you know they're 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 struggling, and there's a lot of issues with the local teams. And Mike and uh, Mike Kern and I will talk to Mike Jensen about that and uh, get an update on what's going on. So Mike Jensen will join us as our guest today on this week's edition of Working the Beat. We're 1-1 one, one this week. I think we're likely going to be one next week, and then we'll go back to 2 as we get closer to the tournament and opening day starting, and, and as the two winner teams head towards, the actually, the midpoints of their season, um, which are in a couple weeks. So it's just kind of a... regrouping time for all of us as we get through football and whenever the Wentz trade happens if it does ever happen um and Mike and I'll talk about that in the second part of the show they're holding out and I don't know they may hold out I don't think the offer is going to change and I think they're pinned into something here so um so we'll talk about that later on upcoming shows um we got some good guests we're lining up. Uh, Jason Stark has agreed to come on and and join us at some point here uh, in the near future when our schedules allow and and connect. Um, We may do a couple offbeat kind of shows uh, like we did during the pandemic over the summer before the NCAA tournament. Have a couple guests on who you may not necessarily connect. Um, I'm hoping to do something involving the five-year anniversary of Villanova's NCAA title. Hoping we can get a guest on for a day on the podcast um, and connecting with them to talk about that run back in 16. Um, So it's an interesting time. And obviously, football being done, I think, kind of limits some of what you talk about right now because it feels like it's the bleak time of the year. And in a lot of ways, it is. But uh, there's a lot to talk about going forward. So, in fact, We'll talk about it right after this. Uh, when we come back, NCAA stuff with our buddy Mike Jensen from the Philadelphia Inquirer. That's next. Work of the Beat continues right after this.
2: It. There you are You're
0: running for your life You're a shooting star All
2: the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In
1: one shining moment It's all of a lie One shining moment Time is short And the road is long
0: Well, we're one month away from March Madness uh, or what may pass for March Madness in this crazy COVID world uh, based in Indianapolis. Big five teams look like it's only going to be one rep. In fact, I think it's pretty safe to say there's only going to be one rep from the big five. It looks like yeah, the other three, the other three, they're actually playing or struggling. And uh, so we'll touch on this. We'll touch, I'm sure, on some John Cheney memories and what the tournament may look like and some other stuff from the college sports world with our buddy and former running partner, Mr. Kern. It's Mike Jensen. Mike, how are you?
1: Hey, doing right. Doing good. Doing good. Kevin, uh, I'll stick with doing good. Well, <laughs> long week, long week for you last week, brother. Yeah, a long, long couple of weeks, but it was uh, was all good, you know. It yeah. was, uh, you know, we, we we knew that that would be coming at some point with, with, with John. Yeah.
2: The,
1: the, the, only thing, Kevin, the only thing, Mike, I wish when I was reading a lot of your
2: stuff, and, and I wish I could have the chance to talk to Tony Penny one more time. Right. He was such a great, you know, for people that don't know, it was like John's best friend, maybe his best friend, I don't know from back in, and and he was just a great man, and Mike and knew him funny, really
1: well. Funny. We sat down at the Charlie in Media because he yeah. had been his Cheney. Originally, he was like sports information director. They became assistant coach. He was just John's guy at Cheney. He was a professor yeah. at Cheney. They they grew up in South Philadelphia, we went to the same school, but never met each other like a year apart until I got to Cheney, and he was funny. And he, told, he said to me. But oh, wait said, a minute. What? They
2: didn't know each other? I thought you didn't they know each, knew each other growing each other up. In high school.
1: Not until oh, Cheney. Cheney.
2: No, I didn't know that. Okay. No,
1: and and Tony pennys he had he was he was just given all these stories from Cheney times, which were, you know, just just fun, wild stories. Then he said, There's one I won't give you. He said, Until I'm on my deathbed. And then he died. I didn't get I was like I even told the son I should have got, <laughs> oh. gotten. And he there. was
2: about he was smaller than me, Kevin. I mean, he was a tiny guy, and he was one of those guys that could put John in his place. You know, there weren't many of those people nah, walking right. around, yeah. but he could. He was one of them, and John knew it. That that was the great part about it. Was there something,
0: Mike, when you were doing all the all the the Cheney stuff going on? Was there something you learned? I mean, you've been around him for years. Well, both of you have, obviously.
2: I learned. Yeah, I've learned in the last couple of weeks stories that I didn't stories know. that you didn't know.
1: Yeah. But here's here's one that I swear Nate was saving until John died uh, <laughs> the origins of the matchup zone about how it was Howie Evans how they were just playing regular man-to-man and it wasn't working and howie on the court said to Mike Reeswick you stick with him we'll basically do a box and one John calls timeout what are you guys doing they and <laughs> and told him hey you know we just had Rieswick, he's like Oh, stick with it. You know, and he did, and <laughs> it modified from there. But Nate swore that that was the start of the matchup zone. And the so match-up Mike, Mike when my JV at- team in high school played a matchup zone. It was, nobody claimed John invented the matchup zone. It was- right, but when he was at Cheney, he didn't play zone at Cheney? He played some, but he was more typical man-to-man. And then, then, oh, okay. And Jim Maloney would come out to Cheney. And, you know, right. the two of them were always sort of trading theories and things like that. So... Maloney did a lot of that. And again, a matchup zone is not like in the seventies, we were playing it in high school. I mean, not well. Jack Kraft was playing it at Villanova. Yeah, oh absolutely. That's what I mean. It yeah it, it, uh Kraft, I think, was you know the in the, zone. It's the ball It's called a ball zone an before him. Yeah. And so I ran that at Vrieswick, and Vrieswick both said, Yeah, I mean, I always make fun of my own defense, but I mean, I don't think I would have been on the court if I couldn't play, which was 100% true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no chance he would have been. But also, I ran that specific at him, and he said, yeah, there's there's that. And just the rover defense was basically – He's, I think it was Vrieswick, not Nate, who said to me, the rover, their sort of base matchup zone would not work today because it, with all the five-out stuff – and this is getting into the weeds on X's right. and O's a okay. little bit – but. It's True, you said they would have Tim Perry on the big guy, and Tim Perry would just take the guy out of the game. Then they would have somebody else, whether it was Rizik or somebody else, on the score that they had on you know the blackboard in the locker room. You stay with him, and then the other guys would match up, and that was Rover, and no one could deal with it. You know, yeah, it, did, it was fun talking to those guys about that stuff because I didn't cover you covered the very end of, of Macon, right? I, you know, right. since. You know, by the time I got there in '97, it was the it was the Pepe Sanchez, Rashid Brokenborough team. Right, right, right. But the
2: oh. Rover, Mike, the Rover was the guy on the baseline, right? Like
1: that well, was the Well, some of them won three one, but they were saying the earliest Rover was actually okay. One, the way Breezewick described, it. and they always gotcha. had, sometimes gotcha. it was versions of man to man. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really close to a the man-to-man. two things I
2: remember. Jim Maloney at the '93 regionals. I sat down with him. He. To, to write a story about the matchup zone. In Seattle. He sat with me for a right. half hour, he, and then he said, at the end of the half hour, I don't know, Mike. And, and that was how it ended. I start laughing. And the other thing was when John said to me one time, he goes, they want me to play real basketball. If I played real basketball, I'd be fired in two years. <laughs> it was like, yeah, he knew. He knew what he could get away with and what he couldn't. And,
1: and know, one of the things, Kev, that really struck me, separate from the stories and the tales and people's laughs were how many black coaches college and high school, let's say in their thirties and forties grew up on John Mm -hmm. about what a momentous figure he was. I mean, we knew it in, you know, what a momentous figure he was locally and, and, you know, sort of grasped it in the sport, but, you know that's 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 a pretty cool thing about you know for for the generation that is coaching coaching now. You know, John. Do you not, think John got
2: Mike? Do you think John got that? Because I always thought he underestimated himself a little, but maybe he didn't.
1: Maybe he knew. Do you think John understood his impact? I bet he. I bet he didn't in terms of how wide. You know, I mean, because how how can you? I mean, until these yeah, people exactly. are talking, mm-hmm. they're not talking to him. And and you know, so if I if I had grasped it more five years ago and or you had gone to forty coaches and said it and John read mm-hmm. it, maybe hey, pretty good, you know. He, right. Did you, you remember what it was like and Kevin you probably do too a little bit when we well
2: it's more maybe before Kev, but when we went to cities like Birmingham or wherever, they couldn't get enough of him. And I yeah. would say to John, John, do you realize how and he was like, Oh, you know. Um, he was Thompson, and he was Nolan.
1: Yeah, only he was he big. Didn't, he he, didn't, he was, yeah. He he was big for sure. And I also was, like, by the way, Kev and, and Mike and I would laugh about this. Fordham games were always oh god. Like, he was going to New York, right? And it was only the Bronx News, but it, you know, the, the Post, the Daily News, and the Times were not there. Newsday was not there. Only oh, the god. Bronx news, But John brought out his best material for Fordham. <laughs> yes, all did. the time because it was it was it was New York, baby.
2: You remember the guy – that was the guy from the Bronx News, right, Mike, with the pickle? The the, yeah, the, pickle, yeah. the pickles one night or something. John came in, Kevin, and took the pickles off of the media uh, – um, Buffet? Uh, buffet. He liked the pickles. And then, and then he talked – he would talk for five minutes about the corned beef sandwiches up in New York. You know, the game didn't matter. The, no. the game was like – no, like, Well, yeah –
0: it was Fordham. That's why. I mean, that was pretty much. I remember going up the. I was at Rose Hill once. Oh and,
2: man, what a place!
0: Oh my god, I went up there when no uh, when St. Joe's was doing the run back in 04, and that yeah. was like, whew, yeah, that was that was a tough. Well, basketball I remember the one
2: time the guy from the Bronx News had Mike going so bad. I forget exactly what he did, but he. I got him. <laughs> I got in his way or right, something right, like right.
1: that. <laughs> something like that. He was just all ticked off at me and, and, and you were laughing and Cheney's laughing. It's like, I, I I can't even remember what set that guy off, but I was on his shit list. Anyway. God, I forgot as, that story. That's a great he,
0: story. Yeah, Mike, and the one the, the one thing that's interesting out of the whole Cheney thing is, and, and, and this sounds strange, you know, in COVID, obviously we don't have the shot for the massive outpouring funeral. Right, um, but to see even the people who went there on the day when they openly a chorus up for John, okay, and see the people who fall po- fall by the casket, and you see the video stream of the speakers and everything. I I w- I kind of wonder what it would have been like if the whole s- if it was kind of an open forum, you know, in a non COVID era, what it would have been like for John's funeral.
1: Yeah, you never know on these things, and sometimes we think there's going to be 20,000 people there, and there are 2,000 people there. We, yeah. we, we seen that different times. You don't know. I, I looked at mm-hmm. the live stream. About 1,000 people were watching the live stream just to mm-hmm. get an indication there. I mean, I thought one of the, the, the coolest things, back coaches, I mean, when – and it was Leonard Stewart's idea to have 530 practices all over the that region. That was cool. Yeah. Wow. And, and it would have been more – even Leonard himself, Gratz, wasn't practicing, so he went to St. Joe's Prep and talked to their guys. Wow. But, I That's mean so – cool. Germantown friends, women, Westtown friend, West Town school, girls. Reading High School did it. St. Joe said they would have done it. I was talking to I, – I can't remember which of their coaches said, we, we definitely would have done it. We just went back for quarantine at that point. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's pretty the cool. Two,
2: Kevin, the two I remember, and I don't go to a lot of – Jim Maloney's in 96, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the line was about two hours. Right. Uh, I was over in Haddonfield because I stood behind John Thompson. He was like two ahead of me, and it took us about two hours to get through. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Phil Jasmus. And I was
0: just going to say Jasner's because I was there.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, that was nuts. I this, saw John this, would in have been,
1: this would have been hours. I mean, I was at yeah. Paul Harrison's, oh, Jim Boyle's. They were they were oh, Jim on yes. lines outside. Yes. I mean, this would have been the, the viewing. I was thinking separate from the service. The viewing it would have gone just oh, God. all it would have been a two-hour line all day.
2: Yeah. Um, my, yeah, Kern. Am I am and I what, right? Kevin, um, one thing. Can I just
0: get this in? Sure. I I went to I went to bring one thing up though on Jasner's before sure. You do. Know. Go ahead. Go ahead. I hate saying this, but one of my memories of Jasner's was somebody in the local media corps passed out. Remember? Yeah. It was it was Al Meltzer. Yes. And it was. Al was sick, so they lie. They put Al. Down in a in a in a pew, I guess it's a pew in a, in a synagogue. Yes. Uh, and Sonny Hill's standing over Al Meltzer and going, "Come on, Big Al, you got it!" Like just <laughs> yelling at Big Al, "Come on, you're <laughs> the greatest! Come on!" And I'm going at a funeral, <laughs> you know, like I never thought I would see that. But guy, i Mike. I'm
2: sorry, I want to no. interject that <laughs> one of the stories that Mike wrote in the last few days. I'm t- I'm losing track. I thought was a really important story about how Vivian Stringer and Dawn Staley felt yeah. about John Cheney. And we always think about John Cheney with men because, you know, right. that's who he was. But John always talked about his times at Cheney with Vivian Stringer and what they had there, two Hall of Famers, you know, at Cheney. And I didn't know the Dawn stuff as well as Mike got into, but just to see some girl like Dawn, who is maybe you know? I'm, I'm guessing one of the greatest women players of all time. She's got to be right. Talk about this man and what he meant to her was was to me. For, I mean, because I've heard Mike Freezewicks and Aaron right. McKees, and, and they're all great. But I've heard I've heard you know those stories. There's, but you, you don't hear the stories like the Dawn story. And to read that was really to me like enlightening.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the the, the current U.S. Olympic coach. You're talking about. I mean, the way I framed it in the piece was the two greatest black women's college basketball coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, period. Uh, it's just like not even a, a debate for that. I mean Vivian Stringer took three different programs to the, the, the top division final four.
2: And got she Don is fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No no she's had
1: a she's had a career, she's had a life. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And she didn't answer right away. And I wasn't surprised. I knew it was absolute death of the family. Her brother had died. Uh, I, I, I got that completely. Uh, and, and she wasn't in, so I was looking to talk to her. Mel was looking to talk to her. NJ.com who covers Rutgers was looking to talk to her. So she, she waited, but she knew in talking to somebody at Rutgers, uh, you know, the sports information director, she knew she had to honor John's legacy and what she ended up doing was writing a, a, four page note that, that covered it all. And that, and that was, that was fine. Cause rather than having to say that, you know, three or four different times, she, she covered it and got her words just right. That was, that was more than fine, but I was waiting for that to, to write about them. Uh, because I mean, you know, in the, in the stories where like temple managers would say there was one time John's John's has an offense. Like they, at a certain point in the season, they never film practice. And, 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 even, you know, what, one of his people said, you know, su- when he and Vivian were on the phone for an hour, you knew they were going to film practice the next day. And and, and when, <laughs> uh, during the practice, he's like saying, and then she goes there and she goes there, but it's his guys on the court. So, so his managers are like, what is he talking about? Is he losing it? And then 8 o'clock, Rutgers assistant coach would swoop in, grab the tape. You know, I mean, they're, 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 their lives, their careers... Their programs were so intertwined, and that didn't end when they both left Cheney. And
2: Mike, you, you've heard you've heard the green egg story, right? At Cheney,
1: yeah, tell
2: it. Like, no, I mean, one day him and Viv- there was a snowstorm or whatever, and nobody could get you know off camp. And and him and Vivian made eggs or whatever for, yeah. for their, and they were green eggs. Or right? well, that's the way John told it. And, and the memories he had, you almost think as many memories as John had at Temple, you know, and that's obviously what made him. I almost think he's just as proud or prouder of the times at Zare, Simon, It was Simon Gratz, right? Correct. Okay. And, and at Cheney. Yeah. I almost think when he used to talk about those Cheney times, I still remember they got a watch when they won the title in 78. And him and his players walked around at the airport, and they'd go, what time is it? It's NCAA time. <laughs> and they would, they would all like, put their watches. I mean, not to him. Those days, he wouldn't have traded those days for anything.
1: He's, he would say, he said, you know, publicly many times that the reason he left Cheney was they didn't give him tenure. They promised him tenure. They right. wouldn't give him tenure. You know, maybe Temple eventually could have made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and he, he would have done everything he could have done at Cheney. Uh, you know, but uh, who, who knows? I mean, you know, that's looking back at it now, uh, what a run there alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mike,
0: Mike Jensen joining us. Mike, let's transition to this. Year in this tournament. One, what do you expect it's going to look like when we get to Indianapolis and, well, Indiana? And, and
1: almost it, all is, Indianapolis. A little bit of IU, a right, little bit of Purdue, but pretty, basically Indianapolis. But uh, do you think. I don't know what it'll look like. I won't go. I mean, unless <laughs> I get vaccinated. Uh, uh, but I mean, it's going to I mean, it's still going to be basketball. I think the getting there, the choosing the teams is kind of interesting. I wrote a column last week talking to Joe Lenardi about how it's not as different as we might think in terms of choosing the field. The bubble is actually a little smaller this year than a, a normal year, not necessarily having to do with COVID, but maybe, uh, you know. I no mean,
0: geographic, the no, right no geographic concerns yeah. to worry about either. You don't have to worry about no. putting people in circles. that's easier. Yeah. yeah. You don't have
1: to, to spread people out uh, and get people closer to – I mean, they'll still – spread out Big East teams and SEC teams from each other. But, yeah, as far as getting the geographic, you know, getting higher seeds closer to home, none of that matters. I mean, let's face it, the NCAA tournament is a a TV tournament that half the time you're watching, you don't know where it is anyway. Once they started, stop calling it Philadelphia, you know, stop calling it East. Right. It it, it all got sort of confusing with the pods anyway. So I don't think – you know, the question is, can everyone get to it and then through it without positive tests? Uh, you know, can, you know, can it go on? Will there be a, a COVID forfeit during the NCAA tournament? You know, that sort of thing. That's that's obviously the, the fear and the fear of, you know, some teams have talked to. There's been this little bit of talk about teams opting out of their conference tournaments if they've already, you know, solidly locked up at large spots. But Joe Giuliano and I were talking today. I mean, like the Big East has, they have rules. No, no, you're coming. <laughs> you know, your, your people are coming because the conference tournaments are important um for, for these. And I, and I don't think there are not that many, you know, yeah, the top 20 is convinced of their bid, but everybody else can't feel that confident that the NCAA couldn't, couldn't nail them for, for basically forfeiting out of a conference tournament so you know on we go but yeah we got we got one team uh, heading for Indianapolis and presumably uh, there's there's no CTI this year know but I don't think we have a CTI team <laughs> I don't think I don't think you have an NIT team at this point no that's what I mean I mean there's no there's no postseason since you know Penn could have been that, that, that team they're not playing at all
0: are you I mean, uh, one, I remember one thing- the year – Go ahead, oh no! Uh, go ahead, Kev. Uh, go ahead, Kev. One thing on the protocols, and I know the NCAA has said. Dan Gavitt said last week that they have a plan that would involve isolating people and not necessarily meaning forfeits and all that. Right. Is that lip service, or do you think they actually have a plan?
1: Oh no, I think they'll have a plan, and they'll figure trying to do that. I, I mean, it's it's in every interest, and and Dan Gavitt said. You know, he's... He's he's, he's an upfront a, he's, guy, he's, right? He's an upfront guy. He's not a, I mean, I, I think they did it wrong. I think they should, this should be May madness. I think the NCAA jumped the gun on the whole thing, and, and a lot more people would be vaccinated. It would be a lot easier to do in, in, in two or three months. But this is the road they chose. And, no, I think their series is a heart attack. But they'll, they'll try to figure out exactly how to do such protocols to, to ease them through. But that still doesn't make it easy if, you know, if... I mean... Okay, so you go the whole season where teams aren't allowed to play um, if they have somebody positive, and then oh, it's the NCAA tournament. Whoops, no. Uh, you know your seventh man tested positive, but everybody else seems okay. I don't, I don't know what those protocols are. Guess. Right, ahead, okay, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no, Kev. No,
2: I, I remember the one year we had to we had to kind of talk Jay out of playing in CTI. Uh, the year they had the real bad year, and, and Jay was all gun ho to play more games, and we're like. Joe Julian, I, I know, and I, and Terry went up to him and said, Jay, your team doesn't want to play CU anymore. It's, it's, it's over. And then the next day, yeah, we're not going. <laughs> and he smiled at us and said, you guys are right. Um, Mike, if you had as much trouble, because, you know, college football is your thing, college football, if you had as much trouble getting into the season, I mean, I had a tough time even in football, getting into it the way I normally would. This basketball season just driven me crazy, and, and maybe part of it's because most of our teams aren't that good. But, you know, Villanova going through what it went through. Temple's going through some goofy stuff. St. Joe's, I think, went through. Michigan, you know, I was talking to Phil Martelli. You were talking to Phil Martelli. There's just so many teams. I don't know who's playing, when they're playing. How tough has it been for you as a guy who's trying to chronicle this for people
1: and make some sense of it to really get into it? It's pretty insane. I mean, I don't even pay attention like i'll get a text from a photographer hey this game next week i was like is it being played it's like i don't know if it's being played tomorrow i mean i literally wake up and look at often i'm looking at boops twitter feed saying here are the games and and you know the michael cole uh, at our place is covering like like three and a half different teams So he's really paying attention to to what's going on, it's crazy. I mean, we had – last Saturday, five teams were playing, right? As of Tuesday. By Friday, one team was playing. Villanova was playing. And it wasn't – you know, there might have been one local COVID positive, but the others were opponents. It's just absolutely nuts. And, yeah, it does – you know, I don't know what it does to, you know, the Temple fan base and and everyone else trying to follow a season, and it's just – bouncing all around, and I think the schools are doing a pretty good job of grabbing games on the fly. I mean, all of a sudden, St. Joe's and LaSalle are going to play on Saturday. That was not the scheduled game on Saturday. So everyone's everyone's trying to stick with league games because – and you get it, because you don't want to – like, if you schedule a, a big non-conference game or even a little non-conference game, a local non-conference game, and then all of a sudden – there's a positive where you could have finished up your league schedule a little bit more. That every everyone's trying to leave open that possibility to get all the league games in. they can, understandably. And they're and that way they're all in the same protocols within leagues. And, you know, I, I can't blame them for that.
0: Nova is obviously ranked tenth in the country. Um, I think a lot of people would say, you know, that, look, they have the stop-start, they had a month almost layoff here um, with their own COVID issues. They've been. The Big East has had sporadic, you know, hell, they've tried to play Xavier, I think, five times, uh, it feels like. Are they, and they've had trouble defensively lately. Um, Against
2: quicker teams, especially.
0: Yeah, or teams like Creighton who can just bomb the three. Right. Um, Are they they in good shape as we get towards March, or are they kind of still a step or two behind here?
1: I don't think they're a step or two behind in terms of where they can go. I think they're a step or two behind because they're a step or two behind. Right. I I mean, I think that's basically sort of the issue that they are not, they don't have Mikhail Bridges, Josh Hart, Eric Pascal jumping into passing lanes, you know, those quick, quick defenders that can turn a game that way. They are, I mean, to me, here's what I think of Mark. I'll be shocked if they're a final 14, to be honest. If, if they were playing Gonzaga, now they could only play Gonzaga in the final four, maybe, not necessarily, not as Tennessee, they could play many rounds. And, uh, you don't want to play Villanova, even if you're Gonzaga, even if you're Baylor. One game, you want to play it. But this is a grinded out Villanova team. Mm-hmm. And I say with full respect, I mean, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's going to be a pro. You know, Colin Gillespie's good as any guard in, in the country. I mean, they can all play ball, but they're going to play a certain way. So they're going to, you know they're going to have to avoid that—that that, a taller, athletic team that disrupts them through the entire run, and that's that's just a tough way to get through March.
0: Is that something that the the layoff hurt them in a sense that
1: you know, nah, or is nah, that just not their makeup? I think it's I, I think it's totally separate from from, okay. from the layoff. I mean, Brian Antoine's injury probably hurt. You know, was Brian Antoine going to be one of those? X Factor guys, and he couldn't go at the start of the year, and maybe he could have. Maybe, maybe he's not that guy. But they don't quite have that tall athleticism. I mean, they've got some of it. I mean, they're not. I'm not suggesting there's some CYO team. I mean, right. Jermaine Samuels can, can go. Brendan Slater already comes in. You know, can can play defense. They kind of offense defense. Him and Cole Swider. Um, you know, uh, Justin Moore's a, a terrific defensive player, but they're not that team that goes on runs by by grabbing steals, going on the open court, you know, fast breaking to a 10-0 run, which was kind of the M.O. of, you know, the championship teams. They could do both. They could grind you out. You know, nobody's taking the ball from Brunson. Nobody's taking the ball from Archie Diacono. So they, they had what this team also has with, with Gillespie. Um, but they had these, just these, these X-factor guys,
2: ahead, Mike. and they don't quite
1: guard guard the rim. You know, Ochefu was was a, a rim protector. I mean, Jeremiah Robinson-Earl's really good defensive player, um, but they're they're not completely stopping uh, driving guards. Okay, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Take Mike, a little different thing. You had a story this week that
2: I think was probably we were all waiting was going to come down, that St. Joe and um, University of Sciences, which we used to call pharmacy, um, are talking about merging, which probably means they're going to merge. And we right. were just saying what it's going to mean for their sports, and it might mean they might have, not have sports, and that this could be the start of something, you know, that we've been thinking might happen for a while. But if you could just talk about that a little bit, maybe for people that don't understand what's going on, and what this might mean, you know, in the next, uh, I don't know three, four, five, ten years.
1: Yeah, if this goes through, it does look like there will be no sports at the University of Sciences. Uh, that basically they said that that University of Sciences will become part of St. Joe's University. So they're going to be cutting administrators. They might cut some programs, merge programs, but what does a merge mean in this day and age? It's it's a cut. So so here's a Division II program that has, has had plenty of Basketball success. I mean, yep. they. I mean, as I mean, they had the national player of the year and Garrett Kerr. The guys, the women's yeah. team has, has has been on a, just is on a current role in the last five years, where uh, they're you know making the national tournament uh, all, all the time. So so that goes away. Those opportunities go away. I mean, that's it's it's not new, but this is one of those times, and that's what I got into just a little bit in this column was about how. Everyone fears this, everyone all over the place. I mean, we all, you can and look people have, been talking, people have been talking about this for maybe five or so years, 10 this years might
2: be, in, yeah. This, yeah, it might be inevitable, right?
1: Yeah. So, some of these things as all these schools are trying are just in survival mode. I mean, let's say there are only six or eight schools at all levels um, that are just doing fine. They're okay. They're getting through. They're not, this is hurting them. The pandemic. Um, but they have enough of endowment, or they have enough means of, of of getting through that they're okay. But everyone else, you know, they're they're dependent on tuitions uh, that are that are hurting them, and they were hurting from the start. I mean, you know, let's face it. I mean, it's not like St. Joe's and LaSalle are flush yeah. going into it. So it's not it's not the matter of the sciences. Um, was was hurting and had to go. I mean, maybe the sciences was sort of waving a white flag and couldn't figure out any better way to go that this was the best offer. Because this merger makes sense. I mean, sciences has these programs, uh, you know, going back to Philadelphia Pharmacy that are, you know, very, very, you know, successful and important programs that will become part of St. Joe's. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's all fine. But I mean, Delaware Valley's, excuse me, Delaware State, a little further away, Dover, Delaware, but not not too far down the road, an hour down the road, they just they're merging with Wesley, and it just was reported this week that there there goes Wesley's Division three program. That they're wait they're wait
2: from, oh uh, so Wesley uh, that that football power they're not that that's, that's yeah it's going to go
1: away it's going to go away wow um, you know uh, Iona and Concordia up in New York that's in Sciences League mm-hmm. same thing mm-hmm. Iona's taking over Concordia Concordia goes away so. Right. I mean, and and I've been specific. People have asked me, like, when it, publicly and even on, on you know, on, on this or on social media. I'm not going to name, you know, what school could could go away because it's going to be a little off. You know, it's it's sure. you know, it could be this, it could be that. I mean, we, you know, we can guess this school could take over that school because they're close to each other. Well, Kevin, I mean, Kevin was at Ro- Rosemont. He, you know, he knows. Yeah, about that yeah. landscape too. They, they've been in survival mode for forever, and for you, you know that survival wasn't 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 good enough.
0: No, I mean, and, and the one thing I, I think also that's going to come about from this, and this ties into not just the schools but the conferences, because I think what's going to happen here is you're going to have conferences where schools are going to drop off. Conferences aren't going to meet NCAA minimums, and then you're going to end up with these strange conglomerations that add to travel budgets and tax more of these resources these schools really don't have right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of local colleges. So right. I can't even keep track of – I get confused. Like 20 years ago, I knew what league everyone was in. Same. Yeah, Locally. Uh, I knew who was in the Middle but, Atlantic, who but, was – et cetera. But um, the American
0: East anymore. and the CSAC and all these yeah. –
1: yeah. I, I've I've lost the thread. Yeah. Uh and I mean for the sciences, they did figure out these are some former NAIA schools. Uh then Old Philadelphia Textile, which was small college going up against you know, going up against John Cheney and Cheney and C. Allen Rowe and Widener, those were the rivalries back in the day. Right. But oh, a, C Allen Rowe. Oh yeah. God. Uh, yeah, they were great games, man. But the this league, I thought they figured it out. They have a north and a south. So they have the north with Dominican up in Rockland County, and it was Concordia and Post and, and a bunch of Jersey schools, and you would cross over. But uh, the the, lead, the division in the south was Holy Family, um, now Jefferson, old Philly U, you know, or mm-hmm. McGee U, uh, Sciences, Wilmington, Goldie, Beacom. I mean, it was a good Division two, where the travel was accessible. I mean, right. you just get on the, bus go to the game, you know, like, like the old days, you know, it's like not that big a deal. And it, and it worked and it was good hoops and it was competitive. The rivalries were just as crazy. You know, it was like a little big five. So if that starts to go, uh, Chestnut Hill was in that locally. So in the city, you had four teams within the city itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> plus everyone else was, was just surrounding it. You know, it, it's a shame. Every they they constantly have to refigure it out. They they figured that out and it worked. Now they got to refigure it out. It, yeah. it's it's more cool. drop.
2: And the yeah. thing is, as people who go to the small co- college basketball luncheon p- pretty much all the time, Mike, when schools go away, that's less opportunities for a lot of kids, mm-hmm. and a lot of those kids are Philly kids, you know, who aren't good enough to play Division One or mate, whatever. And, you know, there's 10 spots there go away, 10 spots there go away. And that can't be good when opportunities are going away. It just can't.
1: No, they they, they can't be replaced, so there will be literally less kids around here playing college sports. You can yeah. just sort of, by definition, by the, by the numbers. And even sciences, some of them, yeah, Gert Kerr, maybe Division One should have grabbed him. But it sure. might be the other way, where it's like, Hey, this kid whose only other opportunities are division three, except that the local division two schools saw him enough and said, No, that kid can play for us and they, mm-hmm. they get some money out of it.
0: Um, Mike Jensen joining us. Mike, let me get back to the D one level with the three other big five teams and I'll throw Drexel in there too. Drexel, by the way, who you wrote the article, it's gonna be looking for an A D now. Uh <coughs> in, in the next Correct.
1: In, Correct. at the Eric end the- Zomer, twenty two years as as Drexel's A D. Um he's he's Stepping aside, uh, just announced it yesterday.
0: Yeah, yep. um, let me start with Temple. Year two for Aaron had a lot of pandemic issues early. Struggling right now, lost five in a row. Um, how much of this is a lot of tough,
2: his, lot of tough ones too? A God. lot of tough
0: ones. How much of this is him trying to get his own kids in and, the, and just the natural changing over process of what they are?
1: There was less of a transition. There was more of a transition last year because you had Nate Pierre-Louis and Monty Scott plus uh, Mormon and Perry were still there. So there's a little more transition last year. This year felt like even more of almost year one of Aaron starting over because the Pierre-Louis brothers transferred out, Monty Scott transferred out. So you still have Mormon and Perry, but otherwise these are newer first year players uh, uh, on the team. So, let me put it this way, and, and fans might not want to hear it, but I think Temple fans will go along with this. You're basically drawing a line through this year, uh, and you know one of the kids, you know, White is hurt, so they've got two Jersey kids, one coming next year, one who's supposed to play this year, White and Hicks, you know, front court players. If they're sort of replacing Mormon and Perry, you see what they are. Uh, Miller coming in from Newman Garetti is a Philly guard, um, so you'll see. I mean, the question then becomes for all these programs, big picture, when, and I'm going to write about this pretty, pretty soon, you know, you need an NBA player. You don't need five NBA players. You don't even need three NBA players. But you look at the teams that become tournament teams, you know, certainly you look at the great LaSalle teams and their NBA player, future NBA players. Uh, St. Joe's teams, the most recent ones that had, you know, Galloway, Embry. Uh, and so, so again, you don't need, you also need the Isaiah miles, who was two inches short of being an NBA player, but that's the only reason he's not in the NBA. He's making a lot of money in, in Europe, just like Khalif Wyatt for, for Temple. So, you know, that's all still to be determined for Temple. Like the, those guys I mentioned who are coming in, you know, those are all the guys you want and you need to, to be a winning program. Uh, is it still enough is, is still to be determined.
0: Well, and and the question on that is, you know, since Temple went to the American, they've struggled. I mean, you know, they didn't... They're not getting the tournament at the same clip they were when they were in the Atlantic 10, and that's pretty clear. Um, Is that the need to step up in talent has to to still be met? Is it the conference isn't as an attractive place to recruit because of the travel and the, the lack of... Passionate northeastern kind of rivalries, or, or 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 is it none of the above?
1: No, I think it's all of the above, and and I think for a local kid, no one's. And it's a good basketball league, by the way. It so is. If you're good enough, you can get a bid. You know, Wichita, Cincinnati, Houston—they've all had 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 you know good teams lately. Uh, you can get in there from from there. Temple got in there as recently as two years ago from there, so it's not keeping you out. But as far as getting the those players, those those Philly kids, you know, no one grows up thinking can't wait to get in that Temple Witch so yeah. That's an issue. I think it's a great football league. Uh, it's, you know, there's the Power Five and, and the AAC is sixth. And it's a really good basketball league. But it's it's not a perfect league for Uh,
0: For the other two, um, this is Billy and, and I guess it's Ashley's second year as well. Um, third. Third, okay.
1: Billy 2nd S, S is 3rd yeah um time goes
0: uh, yeah and they're both tough places to win right now and you mentioned about even the fin- the constraints that they have financially in a lot of ways um as far as facilities or or, or you know, recruiting budgets and all that to go out where are they right now you think
1: yeah i mean it, it you know if if either place had a dedicated practice gym if either place wasn't putting most of their games on ESPN plus, which is great to watch on your phone, I have no issues with that, but it's not getting out to the wider world. So it so it's tough. It, it it's really tough. So separate them out. LaSalle has had this weird year where, you know, you don't know game to game which LaSalle team. And it's not always a matter of home or road where I mean, LaSalle has messed up the Atlantic Ten. I mean, because they they beat Richmond uh, they beat St. Louis. Louis. They just got skunked by St. Louis out there, but they beat them there. And the, those are teams that are like Lenardi had both those schools in the top, in the first four out. So in other words, if either one had beaten LaSalle, they would have been in. They would have been the last four in. Mm-hmm. But losing to LaSalle screwed them, screwed them up. They also won at, at Dayton. So they've had these good performances and looked good doing it, looked, you know, the, their offense in sync. And then other games you know they've they've you know if you're, if you're never mind it, it it's understandable to go to St. Louis and, and get, get blown out there's they're supposed to do that at home they're that good they're supposed mm-hmm. to, they're the most talented team in the league um, but you know you're supposed to beat Fordham's and every time and things like that so for, for LaSalle they're not quite there I would think that they don't have that NBA guy. I mean, even there's not a BJ Johnson on this group necessarily, but they're all good college players. I mean, that's the thing where they're, they're close enough that when those guys are upperclassmen, this will be interesting to see. And I'm talking about Christian Ray, uh, Jack Clark. Brick is, only a freshman. He's terrific. Coatesville, little guy. He, he can play the game. He's, he's, you know, he's an a 10 point guard, uh, Kimbrough and, and Clifton Moore inside, they've they've got these pieces and they're, they're starting to figure it out. So I don't, year three of Ashley, I, you know, it will be interesting to see if year four and five can be a next step up. You can't always count on that. You know, sometimes it seems like to me, some of these teams that struggle, they're always like, Oh, these pretty good freshmen, you know, it's like, okay, pretty good freshmen for five straight years. But you know, when are they going to be pretty good seniors that are dominating the league? Like this Richmond team right now Right, has those upperclassmen. They, they took their lumps um, several years ago, but now they're a, a legit NCAA team. And see if LaSalle can do that. St. Joe's, I mean, anything that can go wrong has gone wrong. Uh, I mean, Ryan Daly has played three games. I mean, you need Ryan Daly's 20-plus points. Um, offensively, if you're them, because and they're not a they're not a good defensive team. Uh, Taylor Funk's had a good year. Freshman Jordan Hall from New and Goretti's had a really good freshman year. Um, great passer, and he's 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 tall guy. He's like six six foot seven. So as a point guard, he's interesting. Um, but you know, there they are. They're not able to close the deal. And and here they had Auburn beat game one. You know, Daly makes a free throw. The game's over. Um And then they they stayed with Kansas for most of a half before Kansas ended up taking them. It's not a great Kansas team either, but they early they looked okay. They looked like in sync. They looked the parts, and then you know it, it didn't take much. They've had you know three or four COVID stoppages. I mean, it's just been kind of brutal. Plus,
0: for, the, plus them. that conference, <laughs> plus the non-conference schedule you mentioned. They had Nova in there at one point. It, it,
1: yeah, they went big. They, they went, went big. big, and it's and great if you if you can go big and get a win or two. Um, Tennessee, they went down there. Right. I think the only I I wonder if they would have gone to Tennessee. Then the Villanova came came open, and it's too late. You know that's what I'm talking about. Where you can schedule a game, then this other game comes up. Well, they should play Villanova, and they did play Villanova, but then they had to leave the next day and play uh, play Tennessee. The game after that, right. with a really good Tennessee down there, and it it that that was. A bridge too far for this hawk group, and but as it turned out, that's all fine. But they just haven't they haven't won the league. They, I mean, their their one game that they won was was Albany scheduled in um, in the midst of COVID stoppages. So so it's tough. So you know, it's another you know draw a line through it yeah. kind of <laughs> for them. Um, hey, hey, Mike, uh, I have to ask you: Have you
2: talked to? Stevie Donahue at all, because, you know, obviously they're not playing, and and yeah, I don't know what kind of a team they would have expected to have this year. They had their tournament canceled last year, which would have been their ticket into a tournament that got canceled anyway. But right. I'm just wondering how tough that is for a guy like Stevie, who is starting to get it, you know, he had been there now, and they went to the tournament a couple of years ago. To not have anything, I don't even know if they're practicing or what they do or – but you know, and he's a good guy, and I know. I mean, if you talk to him at all, or just do-
1: yeah, there'll, there'll be a column coming up on that. You okay, know, good segue. Because yeah, and, and but it but don't look for it in the next day or two. But it's 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 on the list, uh, and and Steve will pick up the phone, so it'll happen. Uh, and yeah, they, they basically, you know, they're better off not having their students on campus. I'm, I'm not sure who was allowed, you know, who, who took the semester off because, you know, the Ivy league has these rules where, okay, now they're going to let this year's seniors come back next year as grad students. Well, that's mm-hmm. really nice. um, but they're not letting the juniors get an extra year. They're not letting sophomores or freshmen get an extra year. So it they're really not solving the, the pandemic dilemma for all these Ivy league programs. But, you know, so now I'll be interested because Steve always, you know, is, is, you know, a thoughtful person who will, uh, you know, be bringing up things that yeah. I certainly wouldn't. Course, be, you know, I mean, as hard, it to is, about.
2: as hard as it is to coach in this pandemic, I, I heard one coach had this great quote, he, and I don't remember who it was. He said, the last thing I do is coach. You know, that's like 20th on yeah. my list of things I got to do. But to sit there and not have your team at all, you know, a team of kids that you recruited, kids that you want to be around, and a pen right. you're dealing with great kids, you know, who are students and, it just must be tearing him up to not go to the palestra to at least practice or, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: real, real tough, especially when everyone else is, is, is trying.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: last question, Mike, this, I mean, obviously Gonzaga and Baylor look like the cream of the crop going forward here into the tournament, Michigan. But, well, <laughs> Michigan will be in that next mix, but it looks like a ton of of blue bloods, <laughs> right. Michigan state, Duke, uh, Kansas, Kansas, North
2: Carolina,
1: Kentucky.
0: Carolina, yeah, all, well, Kentucky's out. I mean, could we see a blue bloodless tournament?
1: Villanova fans say, how dare you?
0: I know, yeah. I understand.
1: Say, <laughs> so we are blue as it gets now. Forget all the rest of them. Uh, yeah, true. no, I mean, all those traditional ones, and, and blue bloods always change. I mean, it's... There's UCLA and Indiana and Louisville and you know et cetera et cetera et cetera, but it is shocking that that group you just mentioned it could be over, you know, that group's and and Kansas isn't even that good. Yeah, and that's I don't know that's that's fine, that's okay. I mean, you know, you're 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 going to have all those programs have had down years uh, to have them at the same time. Yeah, is is
0: probably making weird. the CBS people nervous. Let's be I honest,
2: I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Co- no, K. no. Coach.
2: It's making Dick Vitale nervous. You won't have anybody to scream about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, you still have. It's funny because Virginia just got, got waxed by Florida State. But, you know, who are the most successful programs of the last five years? And you can argue, yeah, they're still they still have you know. If you start with Virginia, Villanova, nope. yeah, uh, Gonzaga, Zags for sure. Yeah. Baylor's inching up. They need to get to a you know a championship game, win or lose, to, right. to be in that conversation. But they're 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 right there. But I agree with you that you know a, a, a Baylor, you know, pick a Baylor Purdue second round matchup. Um, CBS, you know, isn't going to be all fired up. About
0: that Well, uh, it's funny though, but if it's Baylor and Gonzaga at the end, I think people will love that because it almost gives a vibe of these have been the two best all year. Everybody's heard about them to, to right. get them on a court and see. Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, anyone who's following the sport would, you know, you're, you're watching 40 minutes of that for sure.
0: Yeah. Mike Jensen of the Philadelphia Inquirer who, uh, has done a remarkable job on college sports for years, but especially the last couple of weeks, all the John Cheney stuff, uh, the St. Joe's story that Mike mentioned about the university of the sciences and uh, make sure you pick them up or read them online and, uh, and, and hey, have, good, good have luck a with look. your
2: vaccination tomorrow. Say that again. Good luck with your wife's vaccination tomorrow. Yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and hopefully vaccination coming for you so you can maybe get the indie.
1: If you want. I don't see that coming. I don't see me quite hitting that timeline. Uh, I'm know, not so sure I, he wants to. Oh, <laughs> you know, no. I I would like to get out of the house. You know, okay, would, yeah. you know, Covering a game right in front of me would be a pretty cool experience. I forgot what it's like. I,
0: but, have you Have you enjoyed the Zoom experience? Not just here, but all year.
1: It is what it is. I mean, it beats the alternative. It's true. Yeah. You know? I mean, let me put it this way: we cover more. Like I. People ask me, is that game home or road? And I have no idea because I don't care. <laughs> uh, and, but we'll cover more like a Villanova road game adding a column because why not? What's the difference? Yeah. I mean, and they do a good job of getting coaches, you know, Jays on a Zoom, players on a Zoom, and, and anyone else, they'll, they'll, you know.
2: Mike, do you think you get – because I try to read the stories and I'm amazed sometimes how fast they get the quotes, like Joe's game story or whatever. Um. Do you find that the quotes are any better or any worse with the Zoom as opposed to what you might – I mean, I know we heard Villanova – we're just playing Villanova basketball, you know, 3,000 times. But what is it
1: like to be on a Zoom call when you're trying to get guys to answer certain questions? I I don't think it's any better or worse in terms of that, in terms of they're still at a podium. In some ways, it's definitely not worse than two guys – sitting there with their coach in front of a podium. I I always find that to be sort of yeah, the worst, you're you know, right. player quote experience. It's not bad for the coach. Jay's comfortable, he's gonna say what he's gonna say. He's gonna say it in front of his players. But some players are just more comfortable than others. So sure. what's missing for someone like me who's trying to get a column out of it, I just know I I'm not gonna try for something. I mean I can remember being at a game, you know, just thinking about it, it was a good time for a Cosby Roundtree column. Uh, I didn't really do that much. Then he scores the winning basket. I was like, ah, it's pretty good time for a Cusby roundry. You know? And he wasn't going to be the guy going into the press conferences, but I could just wait outside the locker room and I was running it the next morning anyway. So I could do that. Well, now I'm not going to do that. Now I'm going to be picking some other topic. So it does, you know, I don't know if better or worse, but it, it changes it. You can't quite get that. You're a little more beholden to, you know, the stars of the game uh, deal or, you know, the, the, the coach themselves.
0: So oh, yeah. Mike Jensen has joined us, Mike. Thank you very much. And we'll be back on working the beat right after this. Thanks guys. Our thanks to Mike Jensen for joining us on all things, college basketball and college sports related as we head towards March, which is as Mike and I have often said our favorite time of the year um, one of them, one of them, a little different this year. I I, I don't think there's any doubt. Not just because it's one, likely only one team going from this area, but two. It's just it's going to feel very weird watching whatever this tournament's going to look
2: like. Well, it felt weird watching football. Yeah, it did. Um,
0: the Rose Bowl and in the, Arlington. Yeah,
2: the president, you know, just came out and said, I think that, that by Christmas,
0: mm-hmm.
2: hopefully we can be back to quote unquote normal. Okay, well, that means the whole football season is going to be unnormal again, maybe not as unnormal as last year. I'm hoping not, but maybe not totally, you know, and and I guess what they're saying is next year, by the time we get to the tournament, you know, but this thing's taking a lot longer than a lot of people thought, you know, obviously, um, and that's, you know, it's not just, America, it's the world. I mean,
0: no, and especially since you think back to what March thirteenth, when everything, or March twelfth, when everything kind of shut down, um, you know, and and we're approaching a year now on that, and mm-hmm. Easter came and went, yeah. right? Easter. Okay, I just want
2: to make sure. If I, I just want to make sure. Uh,
0: I I know where you're going with that. Yes,
2: I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> what,
0: yeah, we're see, not what, literally going What happened
2: going last year is self-explanatory, and anybody that doesn't see that then can you i'm not going to change their mind or whatever but it it's self-explanatory people were going to die and people were going to get sick and people were going to but it didn't have to be as bad as it turned and out and as um dysfunctional and as uncaring as it turned out to be and yep. we're still kind of paying for that a little bit but you know we're where we're at and um you know and now it's screwed up with who's going to get vaccines when and where and you know, which was not unpredictable, right? Um, but you know, we're going to get there. it, it you know, we'll get there. Um,
0: let's move on, and we'll get there now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Howie Roseman supposedly, got, uh, well, Carson Wentz has made it in, made it known, apparently, if you believe these reports, that he does not want to go to Chicago. He would prefer to go to Indianapolis. The point yeah. for free he doesn't for
2: have it. He doesn't have a say in this, does he? No. Frank, okay. Frank just, Wright,
0: er, I'm sorry, the Colts are pretty much telling the Eagles they're not budging off this offer of two second-round picks and all that. And, Nor
2: would I if I was them.
0: And the Eagles are holding out hope that they can still somehow shake a first-round pick, but, but there's this deadline in mid-March that's looming where they... Well,
2: are the Bears offering them a number one? Yeah. So... <laughs> Maybe I'm missing something. See, Kevin, I've got three kinds of fatigue right now. I've got coronavirus fatigue, exhaustion, whatever you want to call it. I've got snow exhaustion, and I've got Carson Wentz exhaustion. And if the best deal that the Eagles can get is to Chicago, then why won't you trade him to Chicago? And...
0: I guess What the, do they owe Carson Wentz? And that's exactly kind of where my question was going.
2: What do they owe Carson Wentz? And well, We don't of, know what Carson's pro- We're hearing that Carson's problem is with Howie. Okay? That's mm-hmm. kind of the way this has all come across. That there was problems with Doug, but that wasn't... It was a bigger problem with Howie. Okay, fine. I wish Carson would say that or whatever. I mean, you have a situation in Houston where that quarterback has said, I ain't playing for that team. And the teams basically said, well, we ain't trading them, which is fine. They won four games last year, too. And I guess they can lose, not win any next year. You know, I don't know how that's going to play out. But if Carson wants to be traded, and the Eagles' best deal on March the 8th, whenever they got to do this by, you know, is to trade him to Chicago, we're tough crackers. I mean, Chicago, you know. You
0: know, and, and that's the thing. I almost think that the one who can lose on this, Carson Wentz is going to end up going somewhere else. And And, being the starting quarterback. And being a starting quarterback and and having a chance of redemption, even if he doesn't necessarily like the spot he's in in Chicago. He's also got a spot in Chicago that didn't make the playoffs last year and has a good defense. Yes, they do. And has a decent running game in David Montgomery. Probably better wideouts than the Eagles had. It's not a bad spot for him. So he can pout and, and whine and bitch and moan if he is doing that. And he'll end up fine. Well, I think he wants to play for Reich. I mean, I think that's very obvious. Well, oh, it's fine. And, and there's, a, and there's a question. Chicago, right? Well, yeah, but there's a question, obviously, about uh, Ryan Pace and uh, 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 the, the head coach. Um, guys um, Kansas yeah. City. A guy who was with Kansas City. Uh, uh, Nagy? Matt, Matt, Matt Nagy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but isn't DeFilippo the Filippo
2: the He's the, the he's the offensive of,
0: yeah, he's basically the passing game coordinator there, I think. And Ryan team. Pace is whom? The GM.
2: Oh, and he doesn't like Ryan Pace. Well, no, he
0: he there's uncertainty over whether they're going to be able to last if they don't make the playoffs this year. Because
2: it's year four for them. Frank yeah, but Cor- if you're Carson Wentz, shouldn't you think that you're going to go someplace and get him to the playoffs? You should.
0: And they
2: it's people you're comfortable
0: and, and, and Filippo is somebody you're comfortable with. Now, he's more comfortable with, obviously, Frank Reich. And there's a better chance of maybe going deep into the playoffs if it's Frank Reich. But, I mean, uh, he, Carson Wentz is going to end up okay. He really is. Howie Roseman, the, the longer he delays this, the more of an opportunity this is to screw it up. I don't know if you agree with me on this or not.
2: Well... Look, I don't know if it's a bad trade. You know, I mean, they're not going to get, obviously, what the Rams got or what the Lions got, I mean. Um, but that's just the way it is. Stafford's a much better prize than than Wentz. Um, but, you know, if all you're going to get, there's no such thing as a bad trade if that's the best you can get. The only other alternative is to keep them after March 10th Pay to pay him the extra ten million dollars, mm-hmm. and play that waiting game, like they played with Sam Bradford one year. You know when Minnesota needed a quarterback. Um, I don't know if the Eagles want to pay him ten more million dollars. The other problem I see in all this is that Carson Wentz has painted them into a corner. Yeah, I don't think the Eagles painted themselves into the corner. I mean, I think they were kind of willing to let him come back and and win his job or win the job. um, But it just seems to me that if you bring him back, you have more problems. Doesn't it seem like that to you? It does. It does. Yeah, I mean. But then then here's the wild card.
0: The wild card is that there's a report out today that the Eagles are going to trade Wentz eventually before this deadline. That they're looking for the best deal. That they know they have to trade him, okay? But then that they're going to take a quarterback at six no matter what.
2: So they're saying that the Eagles are going to take a quarterback at six. Yes. Well, you know what? That's wonderful. The Eagles can do whatever they want because maybe the quarterback they take at six will be their starter for the next 10 years. I don't know that. I'm not that smart to know that, but I do know this much. By the time they get to the six pick, the quarterbacks might be gone. Yeah. Other than the guy from North Dakota State. Now. The guy from North Dakota State might turn out to be really good. But do you really think this team's going to take another kid from North Dakota State? I don't think it With the sixth pick? I don't think
0: it would be well, smart.
2: But I'm just saying, I, look, for all I know, Justin Fields could be really good. But I know Ohio State quarterbacks have never been good. Okay, so fine. He could be the first. Um, the other two quarterbacks aren't going to be on the on the board when, when they pick. The kid from BYU is going to be gone. Um, and obviously the, the the first pick's gonna be gone. Um and the Eagles are gonna have too many choices at six. They're gonna have cornerback choice, a wide receiver choice, the tight end choice, um, the, the linebacker from Penn State choice. They you know, they, they, they really can't go wrong, except you know all those players aren't gonna all be good. You know, uh, they could take the wrong wide receiver. So I don't know. I mean, if to me, if the Eagles are gonna do that. I would almost rather see him trade down and, and try to get, I mean, unless you, you better be in love with that quarterback. You take sixth. That's all I got to say. Cause if you take Justin, I'm just going to throw Justin Fields out there. If you take Justin Fields in two years from now, he's Haskins. Yeah. Then you have totally screwed up again. You know, that's another black mark that will go down against Howie. Um, the flip side of that is you take Justin Fields, and he turns out to be your franchise quarterback. I, I I don't, you know, and the other thing is they try to move up to really get one of the quarterbacks, but then you have to give something up. I don't know what you're going to give up. I, would you give up the net, your number one next year and maybe Zach Erks or something like that, I don't even know if that's enough to get you up to like three or four. I don't know because some of those other teams won quarterbacks. The Falcons probably m- might be looking for a quarterback. We're not sure. Um, the Dolphins, although now it's kind of like, no, they're not going to take a quarterback. Then other teams could be trying to move up to, to into those spots to take a quarterback because I guess nobody's getting Lawrence except the Jags, so obviously it's a move up to get Hill, I would imagine, the, the guy from BYU. This
0: is, uh, um, Le- this is Les Bowens' tweet this morning at 937. Spoke with NFL management source, not from the Eagles, about the Wentz melodrama. His viewpoint, if Wentz doesn't want Bears, Bears aren't going to trade for him. Eventually, Eagles will take whatever India is offering, perhaps a second plus something. Also, Eagles draft quarterback six overall.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that can't happen, Kevin. I'm just saying is like we didn't know when they moved up to take Wentz five years ago that that was the right move. Well, it turned out it was the right move because in his second year, he was the MVP of the league. And he got them the number one seed. So all the things that have gone wrong since then, he got you, he helped you win a Super Bowl. Okay? That's all you can ask out of a quarterback. There's, there's nothing, it doesn't get any better than that. He helped us win a Super Bowl. Okay? So now it hasn't worked out. You drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round last year. Okay? Well, well
0: And this leads to the point. You fired a head coach who would get rid of a starting quarterback. You've done all this. You kept the GM, though. If the GM goes and drafts a quarterback at six after drafting a quarterback in the second round last year, doesn't that indicate to you the GM has no friggin' idea what he's no. doing?
2: No. You, you, Kevin, you misread this all the time because you can't stand Howie, and I understand that. I get that. With a passion, I get that. You don't think whatever happens at number six is going to have Jeff's approval? Are you really? But it kind of shows how... Totally dysfunctional no. they are. No, no, but that's not just Howie. Then,
0: well, that's okay, as an organization,
2: business. then I, I'll, I'll 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 rephrase that, it. That's fine, rephrase it. But there was no way they took Jalen Hurts last year without Jeff's approval. No way in God's green earth. No way did they draft up did they move up to to, to draft Carson in in uh, 2016 without Jeff's approval. I'm just saying is if you take Jalen last year in the second round and you take a quarterback this year with the sixth pick and two years from now or three years from now, the quarterback, neither of them, is your franchise quarterback, then everybody should be fired. The whole, the, you know, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. Right. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I you know, I, I just know that you got to show me the Ohio State quarterback that played in the NFL. That, that, show it to me. Um, and maybe Justin Fields breaks that mold. Maybe he's that good. Maybe the kid from North Dakota State really is that good. Yeah, yeah I, I don't see North Dakota State play. I I haven't I haven't seen BYU play that much, so I can't even tell you about him. Um, but there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. All four of them are probably going to get taken in the top eight, nine, ten picks. So if you want a quarterback and you're the Eagles, and you figure we're never going to be drafting this high again, um. I can understand that. But they're a quarterback factory, remember? I mean, you know, um, I'm not sure that's the way I would go. I think if you trade Carson, you've almost got to live with Jalen Hurts for at I least agree. a year. You know, a year, maybe two, to see what and, – and if, God forbid, your team isn't that good, okay, then you're going to be picking higher in the draft. Then you got to do something. Um but there, and, and you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks. There's a lot of ways you could go to maybe get another, like like a, I'm like a Jameis Winston type or a Mariota type to come in here and not be an elite quarterback, but maybe to be somebody that, if God forbid, Jalen Hurts got hurt or couldn't play, you would have somebody to put in there. You know, I I'm look, I'm just I, I told you, I got I got exhaustion from this, right? Um.
0: Uh, we but, should we should put some names to some of these guys. North Dakota State's quarterback is Trey Lance.
2: Trey Lance, I'm sorry. Who's 6'3,
0: 225? Okay. By
2: by what I've read, again, so people think he's like pretty good. Now, I don't know what they were saying about Carson five years ago, but they this kid like is comparable to Carson.
0: He played one game this year.
2: Right. He was hurt. Well, no, no, or no. They only had one game. Out, right? With COVID. Right. Yeah. Played okay. Oh, well, 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 he played okay, against Central
0: you. Arkansas. I got you. Uh, and finished with only 17 starts, all wins, none of them against FBS opponents.
2: Right. Uh, okay.
0: Uh, the other one to keep in mind is Zach Wilson, six three two ten from the quarterback That's, from BYU.
2: Right. I, I said Hill. Why did I say Hill? I don't know why I said. Hill.
0: There's also another wild card in this. Who's there, right, are
2: there any other? Are there any other quarterbacks?
0: Mac Jones.
2: And that's it. Like, there's no, there's no. Mac other Jones
0: guy? is twelfth right now on Kuiper's big board.
2: And who is there? Like a next quarterback after that?
0: Um, looking down. Uh, give me one second. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask is six.
2: Okay, from Florida. Okay.
0: But he's not projected first round. Neither is Davis Mills or Kellen Mond.
2: Okay. See. So, so You want if you were the Eagles, you won't want to like wait till the second round and try to take Kyle Trask. That's not
0: No, or Sam Ellinger or whatever. Right.
2: Sam Ellinger's from Texas, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're in a bind, Kevin, and, and they're not playing with any leverage in any of this. Um and that's hard to do. It's hard to play this game when you don't have the leverage. And to be honest with you, like even if the Eagles traded Carson and got a number one. And it might not be this year's number one. It might be a number one next year. You trade it like three number ones to get them. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you were making all those moves, the Eagles are going to lose in all this and they're on the hook for $30 million or 35, whatever the number is. And they could be on hook for 10 million more. So I can only assume they're going to get rid of them. Um, so basically what you're saying is the bears have said to the Eagles, we don't want them if you don't want to be here. Now, the belief
0: is, from what less reported, the belief right. is that if if Wentz is adamant that he doesn't want to go to the Bears, right, the Bears will back out. The Bears okay. will go explore another quarterback candidate.
2: Let me ask you a question,
0: because I mean Mitchell, because they don't would, they don't want a they don't want a, a malcontent, you know?
2: Oh no, and I, I don't think he would be a malcontent, but I understand exactly. What do you think? Now, just be. What do you think Filippo would pick up a phone? And I don't know if you can do this because of the tampering stuff. But wouldn't you think if they had a relationship that he might pick up a phone and say, "Hey, Carson, trust me, it's not that bad, man. We got a pretty good defense. We got a decent running game. We think we can make this work." I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think the Colts are more attractive. Yeah, you know, and the other thing is if you go to the Colts you're in the wrong conference. I, because it's tougher to win in that conference. I agree. Yeah, I, I look. I I, I I I am so. Th- this is not going to turn out the way the Eagles want it to, in all likelihood. And
0: oh, I can you guarantee know, that.
2: Right, but I mean, and look, it's all going to come down to in the, in the end, when that, when all the dust settles, is how good is Jalen Hurts. You know, if, yeah. if he turns out to be an NF, a legitimate NFL quarterback, I'm not talking about a top five or a top ten, but a legit, you know, Dak Prescott. Let's say he turns out to be Dak Prescott. Okay, you can live with that. You might not be able to win a Super Bowl with that, but you can live with that. If he turns out to be Haskins or, Guy- or Kyler Murray, Ky- I mean, Ky- Kyler Murray's better than Haskins, obviously, but if he turns out to be, you know a guy who's maybe the 20th best quarterback in the league or the 25th best quarterback you know you got you got a problem Yep. um but they got lots of problems yes they do that ain't you know, as you have pointed out many many times they got uh, they they got many
0: they problems. got 99 problems and the did, gm's see, a big did one did
2: you see or uh, Damo's story today
0: i did not no
2: okay he wrote about and i, I think he about the, don't be shocked or maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing. Maybe I should be fair. If the Eagles took the tight end from Florida with the sixth pick.
0: I don't think that would be a bad idea. Kyle because Pitts. Because he
2: said he's a really good player. Yep. Um, And he would team well with, you know, the guy that they have coming in to be their coach ran a lot of two-tight end stuff in Detroit. hmm uh, And this guy is almost like a wide receiver type tight end. Pitts, yeah. He's, you know, he doesn't block very well. The but, kid
0: from Archbishop Wood.
2: Yes, which I didn't know he was from Archbishop yeah. wood. Pitts. Um, but, you know, um Ertz didn't out well. I mean, you know, he, he was when he, okay.
0: He, he wasn't he great. He could catch a football, right? right?
2: Okay. So, but, I mean, the funny thing is, Kevin, they could get so many good players at number six. I mean, you can get Mike,
0: I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'm going to lay on the line who I would take right now at number six. I would take Michael Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. Because well, he's
2: been, his name's been mentioned. They need a...
0: They need a stopper at linebacker so badly. Well, they need a change
2: in philosophy. Yes, yeah, right, That's. But let me ask you a question. But they're not going to do it. Well, we don't know that. I mean, uh, no, you know, but you go by their track that. record, and they're on. In- See, that's why if I was them, and I could trade down to like ten, and I don't know if this is all feasible. I don't know who's got all these picks. I'm not trading back. No, no, no. But I'm saying you're going to get a good player at ten too. You could get the same player at ten that you might get at six. The way this draft could operate, um, there's there's so many. Like you, you mentioned Parsons, there's a, there's another offensive lineman from Northwestern that everybody thinks is almost as good as the guy from Oregon. There's a couple cornerbacks. There's the kid from Alabama and a kid from I think V Tech. I want to say, then there's that lineman from from um, Alabama who also is a local kid, right? Bosemore?
0: yeah,
2: or, he was. I, he looked really good to me, but you could go so many different ways. I mean,
0: Rashawn it, Slater, the guard, is
2: the one from Northwestern, by the way. So Right. The kid from Oregon is supposed to be like, you know, really, really good. Penny but, Perry
0: School is not going to be there.
2: Right. I don't I'd think six. so either. I'll tell you the guy that if he was on the board, I think I would seriously, and I know this is going to, the wide receiver from LSU. Because everybody Jamar says. Jamar Chase. This kid is the real, which is probably why he won't be there. But if he's there, he sat out last year. I mean, people are saying this kid's better than Jefferson. So, you know, but again, it, it would be them taking another wide receiver. But okay, I, I can't help it if they've screwed up the wide receivers in the past. Um,
0: Got to get it right at some point.
2: Yeah, and if you have a young quarterback, you know, having weapons for that young quarterback, whether it's Pitts or him or one white Alabama guys, you know, you need that. And, you know, I mean, you could use the offensive lineman. You could use a linebacker. You like, you know, you say, they, Kevin, they, but they, they need, they need that.
0: They need that inside linebacker. Uh, they need to. It's a philosophical point. You yeah. look at the great defenses in this league and they have a linebacker. They can carry on the count or carry yeah. on the count count on. Well,
2: I think what you have to decide is an organization. And again, this goes back to drafting. They haven't drafted well. A really good organization can find really good players. And the Eagles have done this too. I mean, they found some good players. There. But you have to be able to get, like, maybe that really good linebacker you're talking about in the third round. Yeah. Who maybe isn't, you know, because um, every – you have to look at a draft and say, okay, where, where's the strength of the draft? Like, is theres is there 20 decent linebackers? Now, you might not get Parsons – And Parsons may go on to be an all pro for the next 10 years, Mm -hmm. but maybe you get a guy in the third round who's, you know, an all pro twice. Or, or, I mean, they're starting basically because of the way they've played football under Schwartz, they're starting from ground zero because they've never cared about linebackers.
0: And you're also going to have to see who they let go in, in free or as salary cap victims here.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, Ertz isn't going to be here. You no, know right? Ertz but isn't going, going to wait. be here.
0: You know, Wentz is not going to be here. So you're, but you're talking an $80 million crater. How
2: about Graham? How about Graham?
0: I think Brandon Graham will be here. I'm not sure Fletcher Cox will be. Uh, Jernigan well, if you were, will. If
2: you were going to let one of those two go, which would you rather let
0: go? Fletcher Cox, bigger contract.
2: Okay. But Graham's making like 18, isn't
0: he? Yeah. But Brandon Graham still was effective last year. I don't think Fletcher Cox was close to as effective, but that's okay. Me.
2: How about um, like a guy like Derek Barnett?
0: Well, he's on the last year of his rookie contract, I think.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Or no, you now he may have
0: signed an extension, so maybe. it's... Dude,
2: like- I don't know what some of these guys cost against their cap. I, like I don't know what the cap. I'll be is honest,
0: You know Who I would think about, and, and this ties into the draft. If you think you're going to be in a neighborhood where you could get Patrick team from Alabama, sure,
2: he's he's great.
0: Do Do you think about letting Darius I see. I
2: don't know what the cap, but. I will say this from everything I've read, the cornerback from Virginia tech is, is that- considered to be like on a par with certain. I, I don't, you know, I don't scout these guys. I'm just saying that he played V for V tech and one guy plays for Bama. You, you know, I, I don't know. Um, they may, they may end up needing help in the offensive line.
0: Caleb Farley right? is the, uh, Virginia yes, tech yes. corner.
2: Yes. um, I mean, that's the problem with all this is you don't know. Um, I, you got to answer me a question because I've, I've been thinking about this for too long. And I know there's an answer because obviously there's an answer. Why, if the Eagles trade Carson Wentz, does the $34 million count against the Eagles cap this year? It's a penalty for the signing bonus. Oh, but does he also count against the Bears cap? Well, his contract
0: does, but the signing bonus. So this is all signing bonus money. Yes.
2: Okay. Okay. Because I didn't get why that it would count like that. Okay, that makes sense.
0: Um, signing bonuses, roster bonuses, all that. I got it in on it. Um. So okay, so yeah, we're we're Wentz fatigue. I get it. Um, <laughs> and. It's going to be like this
2: for a while
0: here. I think. I, I are, don't the Eagle,
2: are the Eagles pl- playing the Bears or the Colts next year? I'm just curious.
0: No, because they're playing the they're playing the AFC West. <laughs> they may get the Bears. No, I don't think they get the Bears next year.
2: Can't get the Bears. Okay. Wasn't sure. Now, now you're going to make me look this up. Hold on. No, 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 no. no, no.
0: no. I, I get. Oh. I have to do it anyway.
2: I'm, I'm just. I was just curious if God for me. Chanel shut up.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: I was just curious because I didn't know Like if God forbid Carson Wentz Is going to play them next year
0: We ran over their schedule Remember a couple weeks ago Right um,
2: So they're not playing the AFC South End Is what you're telling me
0: They're not playing the AFC uh, No it's Atlanta, Carolina, Dallas <laughs> Denver, Detroit Giants and the Raiders on the road Okay uh, home is New Orleans Tampa Bay Kansas City the Chargers the 49ers and Washington so
2: okay yeah, and, i was just curious
0: and if they add game 17 it'll be the Jets in there as well so um all right so sixers are home uh I don't think it's a big deal uh, at this point you know they went one and three I thought they played pretty well the other night in Utah Flyers come back tomorrow night. Uh, but the best words of all, Michael, pitchers and catchers have reported the Clearwater.
2: I, I don't – I could care less. I mean, I don't mean <laughs> that to sound – no, really. I, I Whatever. Tell me when the season starts and then I'll start. It, about the Sixers, I'm, uh, it's it, they're an interesting – they're very good, obviously. I mean, they're, they're, and they're not – they haven't been whole. But a lot of teams haven't been whole, so I can't sit there and go. But does it concern you at all that Joel Embiid – doesn't play every fifth game. He's missed six games out of twenty-nine. That's you know. Well, I don't mean to sound alarmist, but you know that's twenty percent of
0: your games. But Mike, I'll also I'll also say that that fall he took against the Lakers. That's fine. I, I got, could, you. and it ties him with the back. I. I Look, I think they're lucky they only lost him for for six.
2: Okay, times. but what I'm saying is, going forward, that does not give me no. But he'll also have, but
0: he'll also have an all star break to get healthy. He'll, you know, he'll have time. You'll have to manage him. I mean, he's on a pitch count basically.
2: Well, yeah. Well, the the, the fact that a 27 year old guy or however is, is oh. on pitch counts just bothers me. But it is what it is. And then I want to know how a guy can score 42 points without taking a shot outside of five feet. And misses last four shots. Yeah, and then tell you he was disrespected afterwards. Look, I like Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons does things that that very few people in this game do. He can't shoot. We know that. It's and he, it's a, But this mental game that he seems to play within himself all the time is just starting to get old. I, I and I, I I respect what he does. His defense is underrated. It doesn't get enough credit for being what it is, although why they didn't have him covering Devin Booker that other game, I I, I don't know, uh, whatever. Um, i put him on the best player on the other team, no matter who the best player was or the, best, the highest scorer. But it just – how he can, like, turn it off, turn it on. I'm glad he turned it on the other night. It was great to see. But it's just – and then after the game, it's just some of the things like – Ben thinks he's great, and to a degree he is. He he does, But he's not as great as he thinks he is no. or as great as he could be. And he's never going to get that. He's never going to take 10, 12-foot shots. He's never going to do it. And my take is the reason, one of the reasons he scored 42 there other night was because Embiid wasn't in the game. When Embiid's in the game, he can't do that. Now, Embiid's doing a lot of that, which is – you know, that's fine. I got no problem with that. But it just, you really wonder, and we're going to find out. Sure. But like, if this combo, and I don't mean this year, uh, yeah, this but if it can win a title with these guys, and I don't think the window's going to be as, as long as some people might think. No, I agree. And, you know, you talk about in the last two decades in this city, we've had two windows. The Eagles in two thousand one to four, and the Phillies from two thousand eight to eleven. The Eagles never won a title. The Phillies won one, and you know it's going to be interesting to see what Morey does at the tra- at the trade deadline if he does anything or much of anything, because they're probably missing a piece or two, minor pieces, and I just don't know how you get them. They probably need another perimeter player. Because that becomes evident when they play quick. It's kind of like when we were talking about Villanova. And they play certain teams that they're just not as good against. Um, And we'll see. I mean, because this is part of their window. I mean, if you look at them right now, they have a window. They're one of the best five or six teams in the league. Yeah. Um, You know, you got Utah, the Clippers, and and the Lakers. And the Lakers are hurting right now with AD. And you got the Bucs the Sixers and the Nets, you know, two of those six teams are probably going to play in the finals. Yeah. And, you know, you're one of them. So, you know, you don't want to be losing to Toronto or, you know, Miami in the second round of the playoffs or, you know, whatever. Um, I think they, it's almost like they, they almost have to get to the Eastern conference finals. Don't they? I would think I would not saying finals, I'm just saying Eastern conference finals. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, all right. So that's it. We're back next week. Uh, like I said, on the intro, lots of uh, guests lined up.
2: Will he be traded by then?
0: Well, if he, uh, by the way, again, if there is, we'll probably end up having an emergency podcast of some sort. Once the trade Got happens, it. but uh, so, so Mike can fully exercise the,
2: uh, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I mean, it, yeah, you know, whatever's going to happen now is going to happen. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, I'm more interested in who they're taking with the sixth pick now, since you bought all that you know the, the quarterback stuff up. Um, yeah, they are the guys on ESPN. I only you know I'm I'm old. I just listen to ESPN, but they're basically all predicting that it's going to happen in the next few days. So I don't know what that means. Um, you know, because all this pretty much now falls on Howie, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. It's all Howie.
2: What do you what do you think? Do you think Howie will sit there and say no? I'm holding out for more, or do you think at some point he the reality of the situation will hit him?
0: <sighs> I, look, I'm I'm too embittered probably to give a, a legitimate take on this. But <clears throat> whatever the right move is, I am pretty confident Howie Roseman will not do it.
2: If if you were running this team, if you were Howie, would I will you- I will resign. No, no. But would you bring Carson back? Would you say, screw this? No, no, you can't bring him back. Well, you could. It's over. No, it's over. I agree with you. But there are people that are floating that out there. I don't think it would work. No. But, you know, I I mean, I don't
0: know. I don't know. So, all right, Mike, uh, hang on the line as soon as I uh, play the theme. I got to tell you something off air. Okie doke. Uh, our thanks to Mike Jensen for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. We will see you next week. This is been Work on the Beat. Well,
2: you went uptown riding in your limousine.